Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. It's Friday, and you know what that means. New hobby hustle, this time with someone special, someone in the hobby community that we all know and love. I got my man, Rodman Martinez. You might know him best as at Rodman's PC on the IG. We've been trying to organize this one for a long time. Tons of insights. Get out your notepad. I promise you he's bringing the heat. Make sure you tune in, check it out, tell a friend, and enjoy. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I could not be any more excited. I am with Someone who I have been messaging for quite some time. We've been trying to work each other's calendars, and I'm glad he's finally with me and with us today. Um, I got my man Rodman, Rodman Martinez, at Rodman's PC. You all know him on Instagram already. Um, Rodman, you are a name that so many people who I'm connected to reference um i think i don't know i'm probably met you in a crossover chat room at some point or i can't even remember but you have such a just great brand in the hobby and speaking of which you just kind of rebranded your instagram page so um welcome to the show how are you doing today brad well first of all thank you for having me trust me this is a real honor being here i'm a loyal fan of yours since day one I've nothing but respect for you. And uh, you're one of those content creators that, that like kind of like set up to set the bar high, especially because you're so consistent with your, with how you bring out the content. And I think that's something we really, really needed. So thank you for having me, man. Uh, I know we chatted so much on DMS, uh, we've cultivated a relationship and uh, trust me, man, I, I just, I'm, I'm just humbled being here, man. I appreciate the kind words, man. It, it means a lot. I know there's a lot of topics I want to get into. Maybe we start here. You said cultivated a relationship. I definitely, before we even hopped on, like I was like, I, I already knew you. Like we've chatted so much and it was like, this is how we do it in the hobby. When I went to Dallas, we just, you talk with people on Instagram, then you go meet them in real life and it's, a, it's the same person. I think I mentioned you, you've got just such a brand, I think, in the hobby. People know you, people like you, people trust you. Maybe talk about just like, not just with me, but just cultivating relationships, your approach and just uh, how important that is in your day-to-day operating. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's everything. I mean, we're, we're in this hobby for a reason. If we didn't have this community at the end, it would just be you and cardboard, cardboard right? So one of the things I, I really, really love about Instagram is that it's it's give, gives you this outlet in which you can share and interact with other people, which I think was missing for a long time in this hobby. Uh, we used to we used to hide behind a, a, a screen monitor just on blowout. And that was it. I mean, it was you and 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 just some random people just writing and you never knew who was, who was, who was behind that. And just social media just gives you 
gives you a different window, getting to meet other people, seeing a face to a collector or a collection. So that's really valuable. And at the end, uh, relationships, like I said, to me is, is everything. It's, it's what makes this hobby what it is. It just gives it just another level of, I would say, commitment in a way, because you kind of get caught up and you built this great, amazing friendships. I mean, I, 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 I listen to Josh say, say this a lot. He's like, he's constantly like mentioning that he talks with his hobby friends more than he does with his per se real life friends. And in a way we, we, we get caught up in this world and, and it's just such a huge part of our lives. And it's just like, just being there, checking up, checking eBay, checking DMS on Instagram and just hitting up group chats and, and discussing market trends. And I don't know, it's just a big part of our lives. That's how I would just like chop it up on that. Yeah, it's it's it certainly is, and it's I think it's a it's a place where we all go to escape. And um, I was telling you before we hopped on the call, just in being in Dallas and being with the Card Ladder team, and then you know talking with people like you and other people that have been in the hobby for quite some time. Like I've tried to surround myself in learning from people who've been there and done that. And I think you know with that, you know I observe, I study, and then I ask questions. So I think I'm a curious person and just I'm trying to level up my my hobby activity. You certainly are uh I think a curious person and I know you don't you don't have a collection like you do without being a curious person. So I want to get into maybe just some like strategies that people don't necessarily talk about on podcasts but maybe we can talk about on this one. I think our listeners ears are uh perking up because to me, I think this is going to be a fun and real conversation. Um, but before we do that, I'd be remiss for people who are listening who don't already know you. I find your uh, your your hobby story and kind of background um, fascinating. Maybe why don't you hit on the high notes, starting with like where you where you're from, where you currently live, and kind of uh, how how long you've been in the hobby and what you collect. Yeah, well, I'm um basketball i would say i started off as, as a basketball collector back in the 90s i live in honduras uh, central america i started off when i was little like most of us did in the 90s and my main, main focus has been jordan i would say at this point uh my mj collection is easily probably around 85 to 90 percent of my pc uh, i've dabbled into football with brady and now recently with soccer collecting uh, Messi. So that's my background. Um, I've been doing this for a while now. I came back in 2013. I remember when I started, uh, I got my cards back from my mom and I was like, well, is there any, any value here? And I started Googling and that's how I stumbled up on Blowout, uh, Hardboard Connection, which, which was very, very helpful for me. And I would easily recommend that website to to any new new guy in the hobby, you have so many information about sets, about products, about uh, players. So that that gives you like a good introduction into what collecting is and what, what which key cards for for a player or for a sport. So in a way, um, kind of like mixing up both of your questions there. If I go by strategies, you said something very important. It's just like asking questions. Like you have to know 
or it's not like knowing, but you, you kind of sense or know who who has had uh, more experience than you in the hobby and, and probably knows more. Uh, so you have to knock on doors. For example, you, you haven't been able to make that many hobby friends. You can start by there, just sliding into DMs, starting a conversation and just asking questions, like you said. Other than that, like I said, just go to Cardboard Connection or just Google. You'll find a lot of information re regarding to sets, players. Also, Blowout, there's a, a ton of a great threads there with a ton of information. You have to have, I mean, you have to learn how to navigate through Blowout because you can get easily distracted with a, with a huge, I mean, a, a ton of nonsense there. But if, if you kind of like know how to navigate there, I mean, you will find a lot of information that's very valuable. And regarding to relationships, I mean, one of my strategies, especially when collecting or trying to find cards, is just if I find a, a, a collector that owns a card, just slide into his DM, start a conversation and politely ask if they're interested in moving the card. If they're not, just know it's there and don't forget about it. Probably come back later. Try not being annoying because at the end that, that might close you doors. But if you're friendly enough and just let them know that you really want a card and you just like want, want them to remember you eventually if they ever decide to move, that's a great strategy to use. And I use it all the time. I mean, just, just being there at the right time, at the right moment, asking the right question might lead you to landing a, a really huge card that you probably was probably thought it was just unattainable. Yeah. So, so much there. First of all, like, who you collect, obviously you like goats. <laughs> yeah, I think um, that's pretty clear there, right? Yeah, yeah. Jordan, Brady, and Messi, which if you look at all three of those players, and I, I do not, I would like pieces from all three would be nice, appreciation pieces. I'm not a collector of those players. I do know as, a, as being a fan of the hobby, I follow their markets and, you, you know, you can't know someone in the hobby who's not a collector of, of one of those uh, three players. So the markets are super competitive, right? Like the like cards are, you know, expensive markets, super competitive. I know you've got some really good tastes. So you part of what I like about your approach is that you're being proactive in trying to nurture and build relationships, even when cards are posted on Instagram that might not be for sale. Maybe share. I'd love to hear any one of those players, but do you have any recent stories of like you acquiring a, a new piece and maybe the strategy that accompanied it? Yeah, well, each purchase is different uh, in a way. I mean, you, I'm constantly buying. That's something I usually never stop. It's like I prefer, I prefer to have cards and have cash. Could be a problem. But at the same time, it could be a facilitator because if the market's going up, if you have X amount of cash today and six months later, you have the same amount and you haven't done any move, probably it's still worth the same. But if you bought some cards, those may be appreciated a bit, a bit more. And if you move them on later, that, that'll give you or put you on a better spot to make a purchase. So that's something I, I try to do is constantly buy cards, which I know I could easily sell along the line. Uh, another thing that I've probably never been successful doing, but I should try and, and execute that is, is, is doing trades for a reason. It, it's never easy to me doing that. But I mean, there's so many stories at the end. I mean, there's also these 
success stories and and failure stories at the same time because there's there's certain cards that uh, I wish I would have made made it possible and I didn't at the time and I really re- regret it and there's there's so many guys that might if they're listening they'll probably really laugh out loud because they know they know uh, I had been just DMing them for so long for a card and that's just how I do it I mean another thing I did at the moment was just bring several collectors from for example for the MJ market. I brought in collectors and I made a group. Uh, I think this was probably early 2015 or 2016. Uh, I made a group, a very diverse group of collectors from all around the world. So you had, so that help was very helpful because at the end you you learn from them, you learn from their collections, you learn about their experiences, about their taste, and that is so helpful at the end. Uh, and you build a relationship. And like you said in one of your posts, um, just making a list, letting everyone know what you want, and that will open the doors like you have no idea. Sometimes you think, no, I'm going to keep it a secret so that nobody knows what I want. So when I find it, I mean, dude, I mean, there's plenty of more knowledgeable people out there. So you just got to let people know what you want. And that is so helpful because eventually, even if they want the card, and you think they'll probably just just have the first shot at it if they if they know that you really want it they'll they'll give you a crack at it and they'll say oh, I'll I'll have I'll give this one a pass probably it's, a, it's all about timing i mean with this with this market it's it's all about timing when the market is up like Josh said i mean you got to find some sags and you got to make some moves that puts you in a better position especially when when the market is is softening like it is right now Constant activity is what I hear from you, um, which is what I love. I think it's uh, so important to just be moving stuff, moving stuff, buying stuff, selling stuff. And the more activity, the more you're going to learn and the more you're going to have a a greater finger on the pulse. One thing I want to jump on that kind of you were talking about is this cash to cards thing, (laughs) because I think this is like a hidden gem but not, 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 I don't think anybody really talks about it. I think I heard we're referencing the card ladder team a lot right now. It's just, it is what it is. We're all friends. Um, but I think I heard Chris talk about how he, <laughs> one point on the crossover, how he just makes sure he has enough money for groceries <laughs> and, uh, you know, pay rent or whatever. And then the rest goes to cards. I think this is something I get from veterans, people who've been in the hobby for a while, but you, you have, obviously passion and confidence in the market. So maybe like how, when did you get to a place where you were like, I feel comfortable and confident to put whatever percentage of my money into cards? Like when did that moment happen for you? All right. So I came back in 2013. The market was very different back then. Consignment auctions weren't that big. So you you didn't have that many eyes on, on those auctions. And you had auctions running all the time, right? You had auctions from all parts of the world, mostly raw. So you didn't have that volatility market that we have today. So when I, I decided like, this is, this is for real, I could say, uh, so I came back in 2013. Um, I was just picking up MJs I really liked. I wasn't thinking about grades. I wasn't thinking about, is this going to hold value or not? 
And uh, I think it was around 2015. I, I went through a kind of rough patch. I started up my own business and uh, I kind of needed, needed some liquidity at the moment. So I had to sell some of my, my cards to, to, fund, to fund my project. So uh, when I decided to sell, I saw I was, I was making profit on almost every card that I bought. So I was like, okay, there's something here, right? So it's, it's, it's a hobby, but I mean, you could, you could really make something out of, out of it. So I, I took a break, I took a break for almost like a year and a half. And when I came back, I was in a better financial position. So that's when, when I decided to, to really step it up. And like you said, decide on, on what portion of my income I was going to use for this hobby of mine. And the thing is, once you get in, Josh said last night, uh, it's like you get, you go, you go into this rabbit hole and you never, you never come up for air. Right. So you just get, keep getting deeper and deeper and you get one card and then you're thinking about the next one and then you get that one and then another one pops off and it's like, you're just constantly, constantly on action. And, and it's kind of like addictive to be honest, because I've had moments in which I've felt like, wow, I, I need to, I need to pull down. Right. Cause uh, each deal, I mean, it's, you're constantly thinking about it every day. You're like trying to figure out how to make it possible. You're making moves. You're, you're trying to move stuff. You're so it's, it takes, it takes a lot of effort and time. Plus you have the work, you have the family. So, I mean, it's just so addictive. It's like, I love that rush of trying to get a card. Like I've, I've heard this on so many podcasts. It's like sometimes the, the, the rush of getting it is it's so much bigger or uh, satisfying than when you actually get it. <laughs> when you actually get it. Cause when you get it, it's, it's like culmination. So your, your brain is like already thinking, okay, what's next? I need an, I need a, I need another rush. I need something else. Right. So I don't know. I mean, just the market. Uh, I, I would say we've been on a bullish market since 2017, and we haven't stopped. I mean, we've had ups and downs, but if if you look, if you zoom out, it's pretty clear the market has always gone up. So, if I think that that confidence in people like you and people in the market is really good for the hobby, and I'm glad we can bring your voice on this podcast to, to talk about it. I think one thing before we jumped on, we were chatting a little bit about was just like, you know, grail chasing and how the cards that we desire typically aren't the ones that have multiple listings on eBay. You know, we're, we're searching for these cards. We're DMing people. We're trying to figure out where they're at so we can buy them. I think this is something that I'd love to get your perspective on. But if one of those cards on your list pops up, like talk to me about and let's say it's it's expensive as most of these cards are talk to me about like what is rodman's process to like consider everything and then to finally take action like talk to us about like how you approach these situations cuz i think we've all been in them i've been in more of them recently and it's like money it's like do i go to cut my cards like so talk to me about like What's your general approach? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on the price point and where you're finding that card. Because if you find it from, from a collector, uh, you should always be honest. If, if you don't have all the, the cash portion to make it happen, just 
just be transparent and ask for time because you'll probably have to pay a little bit more, but it's in a way that'll just put you in a better spot of securing that card rather than just like thinking, oh no, it's not possible. I'm just going to wait for the next time because you might not have the next time or if the next time it will be double or triple. Uh, so one thing I do is I usually ask for time and, and I use that time to think through which, which assets I own that I, I might, I might consider to move and just to make room for, for this new piece. Right. So to me, it's a, it's a, my collection is always evolving. Cards are coming, cards are, cards are going, and uh, I, I'm constantly upgrading. And so that, that's my strategy. Uh, and eventually, if I have to resort, for example, uh, uh, some of my own cash that it's not des- designated for, for the hobby, I just use like an, an internal loan, right? So, I, okay, I'll, I'll use this for a minute <laughs> and just buy time to move, move, move some of the cards and, and then put that back aside again. So that that's also a good strategy. Yeah. I love, I love that. I think everyone out there can relate um, at some level. And I love the time thing because, you know, you're, you, people want to sell to people that they trust. They want to build that relationship. And I think everyone's been in that position where, I mean, I saw this in Dallas too. It's just like, not, not, although Instagram might show this and it might appear this way, but not everyone's rocking around with 25k in their their pocket right a lot of the a lot of the money is in people's collections that they've grown and built over time and so then you know individuals have to make the decision of where does this card that's out there right now where does it stack rank amongst my pc and it sounds like um you're doing that i'm i'm sure as with all of us you're attached to those cards that you have in your collection how hard is it for you to let go of those pieces, do you say like, it's okay because I'm getting something bigger and better, but talk to me about just like that process of letting go. Well, I would say it was hard probably the first time. Uh, once, once you get a hang of that and, and you, you really, really figure it out and you get that satisfaction of getting a card that otherwise, if you wouldn't have taken that decision of, of moving some of your cards, it wouldn't have been possible that that you you would have landed that card. So, I think that has a lot to do. Another thing is, uh, what's your what's your what's your goal in 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 your in, the, in your hobby or I mean in your PC goal? I mean, if if you you know, for example, one thing I did at a moment was uh, sacrificing certain cards at high grades and then just getting it, getting one later at a lower grade. So, I mean, it's just, it's the same card, but it, it put me in a better position of getting a really grail card in which the grade doesn't matter. I mean, just, just owning it gives you, I mean, it's all, it's all about owning the card, not about the grade. So that's one thing I did. Um, so you have to like Adam, the 27 guy, uh, something I learned from him and at which I made a lot of mistakes if I would have asked myself this is when he's deciding which cards to move it, he always asks the same question is which card is the one that would be more valuable uh, in the future. So that's the one you're going to, that's going to be the last one on your list. And then, then you work your way down until you find the ones like, okay, I think these are, are replaceable. I can get them back. 
they've been fairly stable in the market at, for X amount. So you kind of like have to find or figure out what eventually moves you. Uh, and and also if you have uh, attached certain attachments like sentimental value to a card, those are kind of hard to move and eventually won't move from your collection because it's not about value and you just want to own it because it reminds you of something or it's, it's probably the, the, the same car you had since you were a kid. So it's going to be different for everyone, but I would not this I wouldn't I would encourage everyone to eventually try it because it changes the game completely. It changes the game completely. This is such good shit, Rodman. I love this. Can you talk to me about the qualities of those cards that, like, we don't need it. I don't, it's a, it's your, you can do what you want. I don't care. It's the quality of cards that if they were to pop up on eBay, like, you don't need to get into specifics. You can do whatever you want. But, like, if a card right now popped up for you that was a Jordan, a Brady, or a Messi, like, what are the types of qualities that you're looking for? Like, cause you talked about having PC goals. Like, so like what matters most to you? When I set my collecting goals, I, I go through, I would say a process of uh, researching, which are the grails, for example, for a player or for a sport. And that's my first approach is like, okay, you got to identify the grails. Once you know, which are the grails, just figure it out, find your way to get them, right? Because just being first is very important. You'll probably not be the first one to identify them, but uh, some people might own them or might find, some dealers might find their way into owning one of these cards. And to them, it's just, it's just another piece of cardboard that they're just looking to flip and move along. But once you find those pieces or those pieces find the right collectors, that's when that's when the real value of those cards kicks in because those cards get locked up and they just don't see the, don't, don't see the, 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 the daylight or they don't, they don't, they don't, don't ever see the sunlight again. So, so that's one thing you have to identify first, which, which are the, the key cards. And if there's already collectors in a big community, for, for example, for a player, Try try to build relationships with them. Learn learn from them, and that'll make it easier for you to identify which are the key cards. So that's like that's like getting a cheat mode in a game. It's just like boom, it'll it'll put you in a better position like really quickly. It'll put you in a on a better position financially because probably won't 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 lose time and time equals money. So I mean, it just makes sense to 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 use that approach. Yeah. And what you said before, just in terms of resourcing, you creating a group of Jordan collectors and it being a place where you share information, I think is coming from a place of abundance because, you know, yes, you might be competing with some of those people for cards sometimes, but the value that you're gathering in the information is probably even more valuable. I mean, we talked about before we jumped on timing, right? Timing is varies for everyone based on their financial position, where they're at with their PCs. So I think that's one thing I think for anyone listening to just consider, like go meet people who collect what you collect, because chances are, while you all might be desiring the same cards, you might not be desiring them at the exact same time. Yeah. 
And one other thing that's huge about this community is that you'll find this group of collectors and there's all, we will always welcome someone new because we want our markets to grow. We want our collecting base to grow. Uh, and that's one, one thing that I, I, I always strive to is just to encourage other people to get into MJ cards because I know it'll help help the market. And I mean, if you have more eyes on a market, it'll, it'll only be beneficial to the market there. So I, I want to get into some like maybe some current day hobby stuff. Uh, maybe we start here with, with the market. I think people on Instagram might be saying, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. What I can tell you a couple of weeks ago, I was in Dallas, I was in a convention center hall, just jam packed full of people, passionate, transacting sports cards, so much energy. I know you were at the the courtside show in Miami, probably saw the same thing. You're a hobby veteran, someone who's been in the game and seen a lot of ups and downs. Like, what's your perspective on the current state of the market? Yeah, like like we were talking earlier. I mean, I've been here before, um, I'm, and I'm totally fine with it. Actually, my thought process is uh, this is buying season, right? So I trust in this hobby, this asset class, this market so much that to me, it only means one thing. I mean, it's blood in the water. It's buying time. It's just, I mean, who, who doesn't want to get cards at a discount? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And, um, but that approach, I would understand it. It's not easy for everyone because people might be too, I would say, fixated on value, right? So, and, and have forgotten just to learn to appreciate, cherish, or just try and load up on that satisfaction of just only the card. I mean, don't worry about the value. If you do just hold it on the long term, you'll be fine. So that's one thing I would I think we 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 gotta find find a way back to encourage other collectors or new collectors to just figure that out. Just buy what you like, try and enjoy it as much as possible and not worry necessarily on values or where the market is at. And I mean for us that we've been here, like I said, it's just it's just buying season. It's just perfect, man. I mean, I have so many cards that I still want. So if I'm just going to pay less for them, I mean, give me more. I'm with you, brother. Um, Something you touched on there, I think it's just having a, it's short-term mindset versus long-term mindset. I think kind of when I re-entered the hobby, a lot of what I saw just front and center was just short-term mindset. A lot of people trying to flip, trying to make a quick buck, do it, rinse and repeat. And I think like, you know, PSA shutting down, slowing stuff down so they can get to, you know, their backlog and, you know, stuff happening at retail. I feel like there's becoming less opportunities for that short-term mindset to be satisfied. I think that has a place in the hobby, but I think the way it's balancing itself out is probably good for the long-term sustainability of our hobby. Like I know having a long-term mindset isn't easy for everyone. We live in a, a instant gratification world where you, everyone looks at their Instagram and wants more likes and wants more comments and wants more of everything more, more, more. But like, how do you, as just someone who's been in the hobby for a while, how do you, how do you talk to people who maybe are so used to like the, the short-term gains and don't have 
those happening right now, how do you coach them up on just having a long-term mindset in the hobby or, and how does it work for you? Well, in a way it's more of the same. I mean, just if I would be uh, coaching someone, I would, I would just tell them not to buy anything at this moment, not because of the value, but just, just to give them time to experience like what it is to be in this market. And you, at the end, you have to find a way of zooming out and not just focus on, on certain market dynamics and just focus on what collecting is all about. And that, that at the end, it is a market. It has its uh, ups and downs and all that. But at the end, we're in it because we're collectors. So you have to like put that investor mindset, just bring it and put it aside and just try and think of like a collector. and. Trying to trying to find what motivates you as a collector, and go into that venue, and you'll know that you'll be fine if you see any any dip or whatever regarding to prices. So that would be what I would tell anyone uh, in that position. Just think like a collector, or find your own collector in inside of you, and and just go 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 get those cards that really move you. That that would be it. It's Actually, it's very simple. It's not it, it is. It is. But I think all the every everybody's new shiny object on the Instagram feed and content, it distracts people. But I agree. It's just buy. It sounds so cliche at this point, but it is. It's buy what you like. And I like what um, I think Chris said, but like the find a utilitary purpose for your cards, like take the value out. Like, does it satisfy current needs for you. And I think the more we think like that, the better um, we are and the, the healthier our hobby is. Maybe we switch gears. I know today, as I kind of closed up shop at work, looked over at my phone, the, the one big story that I saw was that we're having a national, the national is happening, which is awesome. I think everybody's looking forward to that. It's going to be insane if Dallas were any indicators. Indian in the indicator of what's going on right now with people's excitement. Um, when you, when you saw the news, uh, that the national was, was in fact happening, like what was going on in your head and like, what are your expectations for the show this year? Well, I woke up to the news and, uh, I could say I, I probably did a, my happy dance right there <laughs> in my bedroom. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. I mean, I had my, my hotel room booked, long time ago. And I'm really, really happy because we missed out on, on the national last year. Uh, I also had my hotel booked and everything uh, in hopes that it, it could maybe happen. If you're going, you always have to book your hotel very early in the year. So just to make sure you, you get, you get uh, the nearest hotel to the show. So I, what I, what's my expectations for the show? Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I mean, for me, the show, it's more about just spending time with my friends and having fun than chasing cards. So, so like I said, if the, if the market is still soft, it's fine. I mean, I'll just be there chilling in the hallways with my beer and just talking cards. I mean, to me, that's what it is. Uh, it's just so much fun. So I think it's going to be great. I mean, and in, in a way, I think the market needs it just like, cause we've had so many like smaller shows, spread all, all around the place and just having everyone there, I think it's going to be huge. And we probably don't even 
we don't even know what's what how big this is going to be, but uh, I'm pretty sure it is because, like I said, we've been all wanting one for so long, so it's going to be a blast. Yeah, my prediction is that the 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 market is going to be picking up in full force because by the time the national hits, based on uh, I think there's just going to be a ton of excitement around it. And, it. and like you said, like it's, I think it's people that are excited to meet people that they've been talking with on Instagram for the past 18 months. And that, that gets people excited and I'm fired up. I'm glad we're having it. I'm glad we all get a chance to hang out and connect. Maybe before I let you go, maybe talk to me about something happening maybe in the hobby that like really excites you. Like, I think we all grow and we all evolve. And even though you've been in the game since 2013, like something new happens regularly that gets you to think, and then you go spend time, whether it's you meet someone or you're chasing new cards, what's something going on in your hobby life right now that really gets you excited? Well, I mean, there's so many aspects that that keep me motivated and keep me keep me excited. I mean, content creation. I, I think it's at a, at a I, I mean, all time high. You have so many options. You you hit YouTube, and there's so many vlogs of shows and all that. That probably that's probably something we didn't have that much before because we didn't have so many shows like we we do now. But I mean, just in general, I mean, just knowing that the national is coming up. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's going to change the market dynamics. Going to probably fuel fuel more excitement into the hobby and steers away from just being self-conscious about the market and prices and just just bring back what what is just really great about the hobby is just making relationships and having fun and at the same time keep buying cards at a discount. So I'm fine and, with that. And so before I let you go, I you gotta give give some advice here because I I learned some things going to Dallas and my advice to the audience, I'd love to get your advice you share. My advice to the audience was walk around at the tables and you see cards you like. Don't start talking about the cards. Start talking to the person, the dealer. Start asking questions and understanding them because then you might have a better perspective on when you start talking about the card, you've got some information where you can maybe anticipate the person's position. That was my advice to the audience. You've been in the game for a while. If you're at the national and you're walking around and you see a card you want, like what's your approach at the table? How are you handling that conversation with the dealer? Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's very important to just uh, communication is, is very important in this. And if you're just like asking straight up, just what the price is, you, you kind of like bring you, you want to like use your tactics to just like work your way to, to the card and just like you can, what I do is I, I usually don't, don't ask for the card that I want first. So I start asking a lot of other price and that gives me an idea. Okay. Is this guy fair with his prizes or not? And I might ask, are, are you looking to, to trade on that or just cash? So that will give you another idea of where, where he's at as a seller, or he's just like someone just looking for cash. So that's something I, I usually use a lot. Uh, it's just don't go straight to the card you, you really want. Just focus on, on, on the rest and then work your way to the real one you really want. So that's something I, I, I would strongly recommend. Those are some wise words. 
You can find them at Rodman's PC on IG. It, when did you get the uh, the branding work done, man? You're you're looking fresh in that new profile of yours. <laughs> I got it recently. It's something I've I've, I've wanted for so long, uh, but I just couldn't couldn't put the finger on it. And I eventually, after the Miami show, I was like, dude, I, I saw everyone. Most of the dealers there had their branding and all that, so I was like, I just need my logo, and I just I just decided to do it then there. Well, it looks good, man. And by the way, everyone, he does not collect Rodman. It's in his bio. (laughs) How often do you get that? How how often do you get that? Dude, that was one of the first reasons why I was like, I got to get this logo out. Because I I mean, I just, I just get that so much. You have no idea. I mean, it's like, dude, you you like this Rodman card? What value is it? (laughs) Would you be interested in it? And I'm like, I had to put there on the comments. It's like, I don't collect Rodman. Oh man. Well, dude, thank you so much. This is a long time coming, but this was one of the more insightful conversations. So if you're out there listening, go follow my man Rodman's PC and hopefully you took some notes. Rodman, thanks brother. I'll have to have you back on sometime soon. I hope to be here soon, man. Thank you for having me. So much knowledge shared. I had a blast talking with Rodman. We talked a lot afterwards, and there are so many great stories that man has to tell. Make sure you think about some of the words he said and the things he recommended because those are hobby hacks. Remember that. Make sure you follow him at Rodman's PC on the IG. Hit that subscribe button if you enjoy the show. Leave me a review. Tell me how I'm doing. Tell a damn friend about Stacking Slabs podcast. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you, and I'll be back next week. 